It is a sport as old as man itself. From the ancient Greeks to the British Empire, all the way to the Gracie family, men and women have partaken in this art of combat with the promise of honor and glory in mind. Now, WFUB Sports will bring you into that realm with in-depth analysis and opinions on the goings-on in the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. This is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound podcast. And indeed it is the WFUV Sports Pound for Pound podcast in our UFC 208 preview. My name is James Cargan. Alongside me is the voice of God, Tom Terzulli. And joining us via phone from his luxurious cabin, <laughs> the palace on Long Island. Long Island is... <laughs> Our own Matty Breen. How, how we doing, James? Uh, not too bad. Matty Breen has to make it to jujitsu later on today, I do. so he can. Actually... I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys for about 15 minutes or so. Don't so, worry. so he can actually uh, chase the honor and glory in mind. In, yes. <laughs> and we are all. All of us. All the way to the Gracie family. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no need to recite the I'm whole surprised. intro. I'm, not, I'm surprised you're not learning from a Gracie himself. Yeah, there might be. There's His influence is in every jiu-jitsu class across the country. So we will all be attending this event tomorrow night at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, only the second UFC pay-per-view to be held in the state of New York. And my first ever in person. Yes, Tommy. Uh, mine first ever as well. Indeed, Tom and Matt, uh, unfortunately, were not able to make it to UFC 205 as the tickets were scarce, yeah, to, to say, say the, the least. least. Jinx, you owe me a soda. Uh, I owe you Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get right down to it. The main card, UFC 208, five nice bouts. It's a fairly deep card. Uh, not a lot of, no, no real hangover fights. Uh, all these fights are going to be entertaining fights, and I think uh, all the way up to the main event. And let's start with the first one. New Jersey's own Jim Miller, the rough-and-tumble veteran, taking on Dustin the Diamond Poirier. I like this matchup. Uh, I think Dustin might be a little bit vulnerable here. Well, that's where we disagree uh, right away on this one. Yeah, but one thing I'll get, I'll go first, and then maybe we'll get mad into this. But uh, I do agree with you in the sense that I think this could be a potential fight of the night candidate, oh, being opening up the main I'd card. Agree. But I don't think Poirier is as vulnerable as you make him out to be. I think he's been dominant since he's moved up to lightweight. He's won his last three fights. His striking is spectacular. Not saying Miller's isn't, but Poirier's striking has been on point. He's averaging over one knockdown per fight, which is way above the UFC average. Not to get too far into statistics, but I think Poirier's on a great roll right now. Matt, what do you think about that? Uh, I'd, I'd agree with you, Tom, there. I, I really like Poirier at 155. He, he's just looked better, uh, like a better fighter up there. Um, and his striking, as, as you said, his striking really at the division has looked lethal. Um, despite that he throws a lot of punches, he has been fairly accurate with them as well. Um, and the stand-up, I think Miller's going to really struggle. Fighters that get knocked out like Dustin did against Michael Johnson, that sometimes can be hard to come back from. Let's keep that, let's keep that one in mind. And Jim Miller... Look, Jim Miller is hot as well, coming off three 
victories in a row. Just like Poirier. Yeah, well, Tristan Poirier is coming off a loss. Well, the, the wins before the, the loss. Yeah. I understand that. Jim Miller also has very good takedowns. Absolutely. He, he mixes up his takedowns very well, and I, I think he definitely is looking to get That's where he has ground. the advantage. I think, I think he can bring it. I, I can see Miller bringing it to the ground with Poirier. I think if Miller does get it to the ground more, then that's his best chance against Poirier. But I, I think Poirier will try to keep it standing up, obviously, considering his, his striking ability. I think that Poirier will win, but I do not think he will knock out. I do not think he will finish Jim Miller. This is my pick for fight of the night. Uh, it's my most likely pick for fight of the night. Whether it is because I like the next fight as well as the potential fight of the night. I think Poirier will, I think his talent will shine through, but I'm not counting out Jim Miller. He has been looking to get back into the ranks. He, after his loss to Benson Henderson, he really sort of fell off, but he's sort of gotten himself back in there. He beat Gomi at 200, even though Gomi's washed up. He beat Lozon again, and now... I think he might be trying to go for a, a late career renaissance, so I see him competing very hard, but ultimately I think the diamond gets it done. Uh, yeah, so actually we have the same prediction here. I have Poirier also winning by decision. Miller by no means is a pushover. I think if he can actually get Poirier to the ground, that's where his advantage is going to be. But I think Poirier does a good enough job to keep it standing, and he'll outstrike Jim Miller and win this one by decision. Um. Uh, I'm not going to break the tie here, fellas. I'm going <laughs> by decision as well. Great minds think alike, I think, Matt. I think I think the the one shot Miller has is, as we know, when Miller does get to the ground, he does go after those submissions, and I think that's his one way of being able to beat Poirier. But I think Poirier is just going to try and keep this fight standing, um, and I think he'd take the decision over, over Miller. Let's get to the next bout, which I am pumped for. The Killer Gorilla. Jared Cannonier. We know how much you love great oh, nicknames like big. that one. And I love this fighter. I do like this fighter a lot. Taking on Glover Teixeira. And Jared Cannonier is one tough dude. He showed that in Albany. He can take a punch and he can give one. He has a ton of power, a great chin like you just mentioned. He had a really solid end to 2016, and that's catapulted him to this really, obviously, the biggest fight of his career, taking on Teixeira. Mm -hmm. Teixeira is a huge name in the division as well, so it's going to be a great matchup. Matt, what do you think? Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think this fight can be the, – the two, these two fights, I think, both have a, have a good chance of being fight of the night. Um, this is a, a very big boxing fight as well. Both of these yeah. guys are big boxers. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really expect this fight to go to the ground. Um, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one could just be a, a heavy boxing fight throughout. I mean, the, yes. If you saw it, 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 the fight between it was, by the way, it was not Albany. It was at the tough finale that Cannonier had the fight of the night against uh, Kutalaba. At the end of that fight, I don't know if you any of you saw it when Cannonier dropped his hands and invited Kutalaba to hit him, and he did, and. Cannonier didn't flinch. He is so one that was, tough. That was the, that was probably the most badass moment <laughs> of last year. The former, get this, the former Alaska Fighting Championship heavyweight champion. Not sure what that is, but it's, it's on, an accolade on his record. Alaska Fighting Championship fights are on Fight Pass sometimes. Oh, they are. 
There's some weird stuff that goes on. It is not a great promotion <laughs> under any circumstance. <laughs> it is not a great promotion. Good enough to get under on any circumstance. Good enough to get on Fight Pass at least sometimes. But I think this is the fight of the night. I think that Teixeira will win, but I really like the knockout potential of Cannonier. If he lands, Glover will feel it. I love Jared's chin. Will he beat Glover? I think Glover is a more skilled striker. I think he's more of a, a polished boxer, so I think he will stick and move, get his shots in. But I, And this is probably the biggest odds uh, discrepancy of the night. I do not want to keep the uh, the streak going of us picking the same things over and over again. I swear, folks, we did not go over our <laughs> predictions with each other before we started this, but I'm going to stay with James's pick. Once again, I also agree with you that I think this is another great fight, potentially for fight of the night. It's, as Matt mentioned, a great point. It's going to be probably the closest thing to a boxing match we'll see on this card because these are two guys that are extremely skilled strikers and love to keep it standing up. And because they'll most likely keep it standing up, Teixeira, I believe, is one rung ahead of where Cannoneer is striking-wise, and he wins this one by decision. Uh, I think the only thing that you have to mention is that Glover was knocked out in his last fight. Oh, yeah. Rumble really, Rumble really hit him in that last fight, really rocked him. And while I don't think that can make a difference, that is always something you have to keep in mind. Uh, despite that, again, I'm agree with you guys. I'm going to take uh, Glover. I'm going to say by second round TKO. I just think he's going to his striking is is still a little bit above Cannoneer's. The first time Cannoneer has ever fought a top 15 opponent in his entire combat sports career, actually. So I just feel like it's going to be a very big stage for Cannoneer and, and Glover's superior skill and. Him being more of a vet, I think we'll have him take it over. Moment might just be too big for a cannoneer. Uh, for maybe, but a fight's a fight. And, you know, Glover has had uh, some time to off after that disaster against Rumble. That was on the mm-hmm. Diaz-McGregor 2 card on August 20th. It's been a while since then. Yes, it has. And getting knocked out in UFC, it's not like getting knocked out in boxing where you can really lose your chin. You don't see that really as much in MMA. And by the way, I mentioned the odds. There are some big odds in this card. Poirier is minus 450 to beat Miller. I am am baffled by that. You think it should be closer than that, at least. Yeah, obviously, you have your jersey bias towards I, I, Miller. But. Obviously, I do. <laughs> but I'm. But you know, Miller's no slouch. No, absolutely not. So I'm. I'm a bit surprised at the length of that uh, of those odds. Tixera is minus two hundred five to beat Cannoneer. That's about right. So I. Uh, I think we all agree that Glover uh, will win this fight. But I am not ruling out Jared landing one and hurting and rocking Clover and we, pouncing for the finish. We all think that at least these first two fights, even though the odds are in the favor of Poirier and Teixeira, that they're not going to be these blowouts or these easy walkovers for either of these 100%. two guys. So hopefully they'll still be great fights and we'll be right also so we don't lose any more so credibility. Now we will turn to a fight that I think will be a walkover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Closest thing to it, yeah. And not surprisingly, this has the biggest odds of the night sh- as it should uh, yeah Jacques, Ronaldo Jacare Souza is minus 540 Whew, yeah to oh. beat the barbarian Tim Boach who is plus 425 in this one 
And I've and that's that's about right, really. Uh, he's the thirteenth ranked in the division. Souza's probably next in line for a middleweight title he's shot. Been next in line for a long time. <laughs> yeah, now. he should be getting mm-hmm. that shot any day now. But he's just taking this fight. Honestly, to Jacare stay didn't active. need to take this fight. No, he didn't. I oh. think he's taking it to stay active. Yeah, really. he's got to. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he does exactly. Plus to bo- bolster this card. Yeah, and he's just another big name on the card. He'll probably get a decent payday for it, a lot more than than yeah. Tim will. It, it, Souza is leagues ahead of Boach in almost every facet of the game, ground game, striking, jiu-jitsu, especially for Souza. Nothing matches him in this battle. I think it's going to be a really easy one. I'll give out my prediction first. First round stoppage for Souza. Um, I'll go into second, Tom. Uh, I agree. I mean, bet, uh uh, Betcha's uh, best part of his game is is his wrestling, and why are you going to try and bring Souza to the ground? I mean, that would just obviously go awful for him. I'm with you. I'm going to go either first or second round submission by uh, Jacare. Here's one for you. After Jacare, before Jacare's loss uh, to Yoel Romero on the Aldo McGregor card, his last defeat was to Rockhold back in Strike Force for the Strike Force title. Uh, that was September of 2011, so that's been a long time. Yeah, even longer since he's been stopped. Yeah, 2008. I think 2008 was, was yeah, stopped. yeah when Musasi knocked him out in the Dream mm-hmm. promotion. So, I, I, this is gonna be a finish. Jacare's gonna, Jacare's gonna finish him. He's submit. He's had a lot of finishes in his UFC career. He's had. Seven finishes in the UFC, that not even counting his strike force and other promotions days. So I think he'll get the finish probably in the first round. A lot of agreement, but I, hopefully I we're right. I think as we get towards the co-main event slash main event, hopefully we'll have some disagreement. The co-main event, of course, is the fight that I, I I'm gonna be. I'm honored. I was honored to be in the presence of Connor when I attended UFC 205. And watching the spider live will is something that I'm really looking forward to. Of course, Anderson Silva, possibly the greatest of all time. I think it's John Jones, but we'll we'll, we'll that's we a debate agree. for another that's show. A, that is a debate to, for another. That is a debate for another show. Taking on Derek Brunson, you guys are probably going to disagree with me on this fight. The spider is not done. No, actually, I'm with you. So, oh, I, I, we want to disagree. I do not think the spider is done. Oh, no. Oh, all three of us. He's had a hard match with Cormier last time. Well, he he needs the win. We You know, five mm-hmm. years ago, who would have thought that Anderson the Spider Silva would be at the risk of his third loss in a row? He desperately needs this one, and I know losses don't mean nearly as much in the UFC as they do in boxing, but... You can't lose three in a row because then the calls start coming. Is he done? Is he done? Mm-hmm. So three in a row. But I think Silva has a good chance because it's a good stylistic matchup for him. I think Brunson is aggressive, has a lot of power, but I don't see it being anything Silva hasn't seen or taken before in his illustrious career. No, I mean, uh, aggressive, agreed. aggressive guys really play into the hands of the spider because he is so great at keeping his distance. He's a great boxer. He can... He can use his kicks to keep the distance. He he makes fights boring to his advantage. Mm-hmm. He did that against Nick Diaz, and it worked to his advantage, of course. And I think he could very well do that here. Matty, what do you think? 
Um, I, I completely agree. As we saw, I mean, Brunson, who, who's been doing well, but as you saw him versus Whitaker, he really came out aggressive and kind of seemed like almost like a bull in a china shop there. And that's, I mean, yes. Anderson Spider Silva has been feasting on those kind of opponents his entire career. Uh, people that will come out crazy, aggressive. He just knows how to pick them apart. He knows how to get his shots in. Um, and I don't know if that is something that goes right with age. We'll see if he can if he can keep doing that. But I feel like if, if Brunson really really goes out there and gets really aggressive, uh, Silva could end up feasting on that. And one thing we haven't mentioned yet is if Silva can get Brunson on the ground, that's really mm-hmm. another place where I think he can exploit him. Yeah, without a doubt. And 100%. This is amazing. I mean, Anderson's last official win, remember, because he was busted for steroids, the Diaz win was turned into a no contest. So Anderson's last official victory was in the Stefan Bonner fight back in 2012, October 13th wow. of 2012. UFC 153 was the last official victory for the spider Anderson Silva, and he is the underdog in this wow. fight. Amazing. Talking about odds, that's probably the mm-hmm. most striking one there. When, when was the last time Silva that was an Anderson w- was the underdog? I'm sure there's a stat up there for it, but I'm not going to get it. Plus 125, not a big underdog. Ten, uh, Derek Brunson is minus 145. I am going with the spider Anderson Silva because, look, He's really only lost twice in his UFC career. Mm-hmm. The first, the the first Weidman fight, which was p- kind of a fluke. <sighs> you know, he breaks his leg in the second <clears throat> one. I had some. I had a UFC fan uh, talk to me and and argue with me that uh, the second Weidman fight should be considered a loss because Weidman effectively countered Silva, and because of that, he broke his leg. Well, there's been a lot of checked kicks in the history of the UFC, mm-hmm. and only two broken legs. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. The the late Corey Hill and Silva. And then I don't I don't even count the the Cormier loss. That's a fight he should have never been in. Uh-huh. And then he, you mm-hmm. could say, he arguably beat Michael Bisping. Mm-hmm. Well, he was on short notice against Cormier, and the Weidman fight was a freak accident. So, So yeah, I I don't think that's a crazy point. Let's dispel the notion that Anderson Silva is cooked because he is not. He may be cooked because he's on a lot of drugs, but not in the octagon. I'm going with the spider. I'm going. Oh, yeah. You got it, Matt. Well, I don't think he's cooked either. We do have to keep in mind he is 42. Even if you're not cooked, that's that's old. He's not going to yes. be his, his old self. I, I still feel like Brunson could easily take this fight. He hasn't I mean, taken he a lot so of punishment, fast. though. He's so strong. But, I mean, he's still 42. That always has to play in, I think, regardless. I mean, since he broke his leg, he's never he's never thrown those leg kicks. He's always, you could tell, he never had as much uh, confidence in, in, in his leg kicks after that. Um... As much as I love the spider, I'm I'm going to take Brunson uh, by decision. Okay, well, I am sort of in the middle on this. I do agree with Matt's point that Silva is 42, and regardless, that has to play into it in spite of the great shape that he's in. And after you break your leg on a harmless leg kick like he did against Weidman, that is going to affect you mentally regardless. And like Matt mentioned, he doesn't throw them with the same – Uh, ferocity or frequency that he did before that happened. But then I'm also with James here that I don't think Silva is done by any means. I think he's still in great shape 
for his age, and I think Brunson fits right into the type of style that Silva has been beating his whole career, and that's exactly what you want when you're 42 years old, some think towards the twilight of his career. You want a guy that fits right into the matchups you've been seeing. So I say Silva wins by submission in the second round. So now for the main event, which I don't know. I don't... I'm, are, are MMA fans really excited about this main event? It's tough because with no Cyborg and with no fighters currently in the division other than Holly Holm, the Preacher's daughter, and Jermaine Duranamine, there's no path forward for this division right now. Do you favor, in general, the idea of bringing in the third oh, women's weight class? You just don't think it's been planned out well enough? No. I do not think that the rollout for this women's featherweight division has been good. And it's, I mean, it's obviously being built for Cyborg whenever she and comes. See, I was about to say to Tom, I mean, it seems like whoever's going to win this fight is just going to fight Cyborg. Right, it has to be. Presu- I mean, he, she's got some USADA problems, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's she's true. appealing that's true. and whatnot. She's on major league steroids. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not just steroids, major league steroids. <laughs> Horse tranquilizers <laughs> for Cyborg. <laughs> so, until we see a division actually springing out, and by the way, should there not be a 125 division? Well, it's possible there could be. We're get, we've got 115 and then up to 135 and then 145. A lot of people are saying we should probably have the 125 first. Well, depending, I, think, yeah, I think people's arguments was just that 125, it wasn't worth it. That any fighter around 25 could either could probably just make the 115 weight. But it's tough, though. Um, the argument for this 145 is just that all the bigger all the bigger girls, like people like Cyborg, Cyborg complaint was obviously the big person that said she couldn't make the 135 weight. I mean, it's it's more for them. People are saying, like, the argument against 125 was that they can either make 115 or 135. So let's talk about the the fight itself. Holly Holm, the preacher's daughter, Jermaine Durandamine from the Netherlands. Jermaine, her last four victories were against fighters that had lost at least their prior fight. Mm-hmm. This, this is not exactly, you know, when Joe Lewis was the heavyweight champion, he they called, at one point his string of opponents was called the bum of the month club. Yeah. That, I mean, the, he's not the first, he, he maybe he was the first, but not the last fighter to go through like a sort of tour of just beating nobody. Tyson did it exactly a couple times in his career. Even though they weren't exactly nobodies in the in the in the sense of Joe Lewis, they weren't exactly bad fighters, but they just got a bad rap because Lewis would just kill them. Well, same th- yeah, same thing with Tyson mm-hmm. back when he was fighting at certain points of his career. So, but uh, Matty, you know. what do you what do you see from Jermaine? Um, from Jermaine, I mean, obviously her her Muay Thai. I feel like if she really wants to win, she has to get this fight in the clinch because I think that's really where she's gonna um, thrive. Really, um, she I mean she's a Mu- Muay Thai world champion. And to be honest, besides the Rowdy, the Ronda Rowdy fight, uh, Ronda Rousey, home hasn't looked that great. Ronda Rowdy, Ronda Rowdy, <laughs> Rousey. Um, she hasn't. She hasn't looked that great. She she looked very very bad against Misha Tate, especially on the ground. 
Yeah, but she um, was winning she, that fight, though. She, I mean, she was, but I mean, when, obviously, when she, you see that she brought her to the ground, she looked like she had no clue what she was doing. And I feel like <laughs> Durandamy can expose her there in in the clinch because I think her her clinch is just is just head and shoulders above. Well, she brought she did well in the clinch against Ronda. Let, let's not forget here that Randomy. Let's not forget. Is, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying Holly Holm is isn't someone to 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 prepare for and and isn't. Isn't going to put up a, a, a good fight. I just feel like it, it, the in the clinch, Durandamy would really have the advantage. Randomine's not a terrible striker play. either, though. To, to look at the stats, she has advantage in strikes per minute, accuracy, mm-hmm. defends seventy-two percent of strikes thrown at her. I know the competition is not there, and that's a great stat that you threw out, James. That they had at least one loss in her last four victories. I get that, but once again, I'm not going to pigeonhole my argument or the way I look at this fight. The way I looked at the Dominic Cruz Cody Garbrandt fight, a lot of people were not giving Cody Garbrandt a chance in that fight, including you, including myself, because Garbrandt, I believed, was not yet proven. I didn't think he had beaten enough people on his resume to prove that he should have been in there with Dominic Cruz, or if he could beat Dominic Cruz, he ended up dominating him, unlike the majority of the mainstream MMA media could have predicted. So I'm not going to let that affect my thinking here, and I think Randomine is at least comparable striking-wise to Holly Holm. So I think that's the way we should be looking at this, not the way that who have she faced in the past. Now let's get this. And James, one, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to leave in a minute, so I'm just going to give my prediction real quick. Um, my prediction for this fight, I'm, I'm going to say Durandamy actually takes it in. Um, mm. Oh, wow, in I thought I was going to be the only decision. one. I'm going to uh, say Durandamy by unanimous decision because I feel like uh, she, she can keep up with her, with her striking, um, and hopefully, if she can get it to the clinch, I feel like that's where she, like Durandamy is one of the strongest women on the roster. I feel like that's where she could thrive. So I'm going to take her by uh, decision. All uh, right. With that, guys, James, thank you for having me on again. Um, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. I'll, yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy so, uh, jujitsu class. To, uh, to 208. We'll see you guys next week with the uh, with the recap. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. And that was the venerable Matt Breen who will be accompanying us to UFC 208 tomorrow. Let's get this out of the way. There's a reason why Holly Holmes' victory over Ronda Rousey is one of the greatest upsets in the history of sports. She was not that good to begin with. Mm -hmm. Her first fight against Pennington, a split decision. Second fight against Renault, a UD that she did not look good in. I remember watching that fight. It was two years ago. And I remember watching it, and they were hyping up Holm as this boxing champion, and she looked terrible, even though she won, beating a bad fighter. This was a boxing champion. She didn't even finish the last... She didn't... Not, just, not only did she not finish her first any of her first two fights, she didn't even look good. Absolutely. So then she gets the Rousey fight, in front of the biggest crowd in UFC history in Australia, kick, uh, kills her, shocks the world. Mm-hmm. She's up 3-1 against Misha Tate. She gets out of the fifth round, she retains the title, and she will forever not be known as a one-hit wonder until Misha submits her in the, in the fifth. And then Shevchenko comes around and gives her the beating of a lifetime. Right, and so she's coming in. That was a five without round, that momentum. That was a five round bloodbath. That was quite a while ago. That was like 
That was seven months ago. Uh huh. So, Holly, at this very moment, is a one-hit wonder. She has had one significant victory in her mixed martial arts career. And she's built a name off of that one victory. Obviously, she will forever go down in history. No, Regardless of what happens, she could lose in two seconds on, on Saturday. She will forever go down in history for that one fight. And, she, and it's deserving. What do you want to be? The fighter that's remembered as the asterisk that beat Ronda Rousey the first time? Or do you want to use that victory to build off of that and become a known for your UFC career because as you mentioned at this point she's only known for that one victory and she needs this fight she needs this victory to finally get over that my pick is Jermaine Durandamine the Iron Lady and here I am thinking I was the only one that was going to pick her but all three of us are picking against Holly Holm and I think it's because of almost the same mindset that you were talking about before the Rousey fight. is the only skilled striker that Holly has faced, and she destroyed Holly. Yes, and that was one of the things that I was going to say. And also, uh, before the Rousey fight for Holm, you mentioned how she really hadn't proven herself in those two victories beforehand, but yet... All of a sudden, here she comes in the greatest crowd in UFC history and beats Ronda Rousey. You mentioned that stat about Deronda Mean. She's not beaten the greatest names in the world, but she can come right in on the biggest stage of her career and beat Holly Holm. She has the skills to do it striking-wise. Holm has been in the ring with bigger names, Rousey, Tate, Shevchenko, but that doesn't really matter here because as they proved with Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz, as Holm proved against Rousey, it doesn't really matter that much what your resume was beforehand. It is something that you should look at, but I don't think it's going to have a huge effect on this fight. You mentioned Shevchenko was the only great pure striker that home faced, and she got annihilated. Deronda Mean, I think, is in the league at least of Shevchenko if you look at the statistics, if you look at her previous fights. So I go with Deronda Mean as well, but I think it's going to go to decision. I don't think this is quite what Dana White had in mind when he envisioned the women's 145-pound division. He was envisioning Cyborg. For, for, for Jermaine Durandamine to become the first champion of that division, for Jermaine Durandamine to become a UFC champion in itself. But that's where we are now, and Dana is choosing to push on with the division. Hopefully it'll be a success. I think it'll be a success if they find... Fighters, personally. Well, any division will be a success if you find stars. If Chris Cyborg comes back, then it would be huge. She gets her act I mean, together. If Cyborg was fighting home tomorrow night, the interest we would, would be, be we would out of this world. Be looking at this from a very different perspective. This would be a huge. That would be a huge, huge show. And from a business standpoint, I think that UFC is probably rooting. For home, oh, they have just, to be. just so that fight can happen. And it doesn't matter, honestly. Even if Derondamine wins, I don't think it matters who Cyborg's fighting. Sure, if she's fighting home, it's a bigger name. But Cyborg making that her debut in the divi featherweight division of the UFC in the women's division, that's going to be huge regardless of who she's fighting because she's one of the bigger names in women's MMA in spite of not having this relationship with the UFC. It's going to be huge. Well, her two, I mean, her two fights in the UFC already at 140 pounds at catchweight, they've drawn well. 
Absolutely. And they've, they've drawn well on TV. I watched. Uh-huh. Because she's has this she still has this aura around her that Rousey no longer has as this unstoppable beast. And maybe it was hurt a little bit by getting busted for steroids, but now they've created this division for her. She doesn't need the catch weights anymore. Her coming into a division where she's comfortable, that debut is going to be huge no matter who it is. And I think whoever wins this fight is essentially keeping the title warm for her whenever she decides to come. I mean, there's a lot of in- there was already a lot of interim titles out there. Yeah, this, this might be, as yeah. this might as well be might one. as well be one. Yeah, you're right. I'm pumped. It's gonna be fun. Oh, it will be. And with that, that will do it for us here on the Pound for Pound podcast. Thanks to the voice of God, Tom Tazuli, Maddie Breen back home in comfortable, luxurious Long Island. <laughs> Got to make sure you say it's luxurious. Uh, Mario Nicastro <laughs> could not be here with us. But, but he will be with us tomorrow we thank night. thank him as well, and he will be with us as well tomorrow night. And thank you for everybody who's listening. And please be sure to listen to our recap show on either Sunday or Monday, most likely Monday. Uh, but until then, we bid you all adieu.